With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Well, welcome to this episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today on the show, we have uh, Dr. James Howell, the pastor at Myers Park United Methodist Church in Charlotte. And he is the Episcopal nominee for Bishop from the Western North Carolina Conference. And so welcome to the show, James. Thanks, Michael. And so... um, in just a little over a week since this show airs on July the 6th, uh, we'll be uh, deep into southeastern jurisdiction, and we're just going to move right into uh, some questions. So um, the first one I have for you is this. Uh, you're the Episcopal nominee of the Western North Carolina Conference. You're endorsed by our delegation. Um, that happened earlier in the year, and then um, just a little bit ago at annual conference, uh, the entire uh, conference uh, nominated you as a candidate for bishop. So what makes you a unique candidate for bishop among all those uh, that are running this year? Well, one of the uh, real joys has been uh, getting to know the other candidates. I've known some a little and some a little better and some I didn't know at all before this. And uh, goodness gracious, we should all thank them for offering themselves and the great leadership that they've given all very gifted people, so I wouldn't pretend that I'm, you know, better or whatever. I, 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 I do feel like I've had some experiences uh, leading a couple of large organizations, churches that have done well, have embraced change while holding on to tradition. Um, you know, I'm a teacher kind of by nature, so to do theology is something that I love. I think I think we need to find ways to talk about God, what's God doing in the church, what's God, what's God calling us to. I've mentored a lot of young clergy, really excited about the things that they're doing, and uh, I see just cool things emerging, and uh, I'm somebody who is excited by that and wants to embrace that, uh, encourage that, find new ways to embrace and encourage that. So, um, I'm certainly excited about the possibilities. Okay. So um, you did mention in that um, about two organizations. You you have spent uh, two appointments over 25 years in uh, two different churches. Um, in Davidson, you were there for 12 years, and it went from, uh, well, I know that it grew from 8 to 3,200. That's 2,400 members increase. Uh, in 12 years. And then at Myers Park, uh, the statistics say that it's grown 40% since 2003. Um, So what do you see as the key factors for that growth? Oh, goodness. I mean, it's a lot of things, a lot of people doing a lot of different things. And in every church, that's not going to happen in every church. There's no way it happened in Davidson. They're building a lot of houses around us, right? So it made that... (laughs) easier right. for that to happen but, but that, there's some there's some principles that 
all churches, you know, try to uh, embody. I mean, hospitality is obviously a huge thing, which isn't a welcome sign, but it's you know really being interested in other people, wanting to hear their story, not making maybe a lot of judgmental remarks or being closed-minded. It, increasingly, we're seeing that uh, for churches to engage, you, you got to go out into the community. You know, throughout the welcome map, it's actually go out there. You take whatever we do. If we do Ash Wednesday here, can we take it out there somewhere? Can we be part of the community so that people care about us instead of assuming what communities need? Can we ask, like, you know, what do, what do they need from us? Or where where would they like us to just come alongside them and befriend them? Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in content uh, more than style. We, we talk a lot about the style of worship and all this stuff. But at the, at the end of the day, the, I mean, the content of the gospel is really uh, just so very compelling to people. It, it's what people need in a world like ours. And if, if we if we can stay on point with that and really trust that message, it, it really does really does speak to people. So that in some churches that's gonna issue in a lot of growth. Some it may issue in you know, we're still here. We're meeting needs in this community in some fresh way. Um I'm just optimistic about what the church can uh, be about. Yeah, and uh I I have been to Myers Park before. Uh this is not about style in the sense that um, you're very, uh, at least the later service, it, it is very traditional. And every time I've ever been there, it's just been packed to the gills. And uh, uh, and so it's not that huge contemporary megachurch uh, kind of thing. Um, and, but and there with, is and content. With, uh, and with young people. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed that, I mean, our, our growing edge in our church is young adults under 35. That's where most of our growth mm-hmm. is coming from. And they don't, we have a contemporary service. They don't go to that one. They come to our traditional service. And it 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 can in fact speak to a to a younger generation, which I don't know. I think it's exciting and fun to see. Yeah, no doubt. So um, going from pastor to bishop, if you get that opportunity, what um, what do you see uh, that you could do as a bishop uh, to help annual conferences and churches and annual conferences um, to see that kind of growth happen in those churches? Well, it's all, so I haven't done this job one day yet, so I have no idea. I may never do it, of course. Sure. But 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 if I do, I mean, I um, my wife and I went uh, a few nights ago to hear Diane Ream, uh, who's mm-hmm. kind kind of retiring from NPR, right? And so, and so she took Q and A from the audience, and, and somebody went to the mic and said, "You know, the world's terrible. We have presidential candidates who are no good. Everything's horrible. You know, what hope do you see?" Mm. And she paused, and then she said. Oh man, I love this. She said, uh, "The hope is in you. You're, you're here. You care about the world. I mean, that's where the hope is. I mean, so mm-hmm. I, th- I tend to think it's a hope for an annual conference. It's it's in the people. It's it's not some program, not a slogan. No one program is going to fit every church. It shouldn't, right? But but the no. people are God's. Every pastor, God, at some point spoke to them and they gave their life to God. You know, not to meet budgets or be part of a conference, but just to be kind of a co-worker with Jesus, all the lay people, they're in church because they, they love God, they want to do good, and somehow to trust people, get out of their way, be uh, an encourager. I've tried to be an encourager to people around me. Uh, a lot of young clergy, just ask them, how are you doing? Listen to their stories, listen to their struggles, 
a lot of churches are hard to serve. I mean, just say thank you. <laughs> thank mm. you for doing that instead of you know, browbeating for better results. Uh, so I'd, I'd want to be an encourager, somebody who expresses a lot of gratitude, uh, somebody who believes in people and what God can do. I know that sounds naive and simplistic, but I don't know. I think it's the place to begin. Okay. Now, uh, some would see you uh, in uh, this group of candidates for bishop in the Southeast as a progressive candidate. Uh, where would you place yourself uh, along the conservative to progressive spectrum? <laughs> it's, just, it's just so hard. I mean, on I'm, I'm, I always feel like an oddball on some issues. They say, boy, he's really liberal. And other issues, people would say, gosh, he's so conservative. I'm not trying to be liberal or conservative. I'm at least trying to be kind of sort of faithful to what I see in the scriptures and theology. Most importantly for that, I mean, I think, is that I've made it part of my life's project to befriend people who are different, to befriend mm-hmm. people on all sides. So I've made a big project. of. I have a lot of friends who are very progressive within the denomination. I have a lot of friends who are in good news, who are very conservative within the denomination. Uh, and uh, we can be friends, right? That can actually work. You hope it can work, right? Or the, the church right. is just going to be toast. And it seems to me like a bishop is somebody who needs to, you know, keep keep his, her arms around everybody. We're all part of Christ's church. We view some of these things differently, but the heart of it, you know, is the message of the gospel. And and it's not the, not up to the bishop to take sides or or, or to avoid sides. You know, can, can you be on both sides? Can you support the great endeavors of people who are conservative, what they're holding on to for God, the holiness that they're trying to insist on. Can can you hold on to what progressives are about, trying to be courageous, trying to reach communities in new ways? And all these people, at the end of the day, are, are prayerful, and they read their Bible, and they're striving to serve God with courage. And, you know, how do you honor that and help people to listen to each other and love each other. I mean, I think that's the important witness for the church now, right? Isn't, isn't the, you know, trumpeting truths out to communities who aren't listening to us, <laughs> but yeah. showing that you know, we can, we can actually love each other. We're not going to have the rancor that you see in the political life of our country. We, we, we actually listen. We actually love, we can disagree and not kill each other. Uh, I just think that's important. And it's something that I've made part of my life's project. So i I'd certainly want to continue that as a bishop. Okay. Now, one of the things that you've done a lot in your career is that you've written extensively. Uh, You have books and articles and blogs, and uh, the list just goes on of all the things that you've written. So uh, what book or article would you like to write next, or what is something that the church needs to hear from you? Well, Michael, that's a, that's a great question. I'm, um, so it was, it was, I'm several things. I'm fiddling with a blog in, in the back of my mind on this thing that just gets on my nerves, which is Robert's Rules of Order, which has just mm. got to be the worst possible way to try to discern God's will and conduct church business, right? <laughs> so we talk about a whole week conference. It hasn't been uh, working, that's for sure. Robert's Rules of Order, it's points of order and substitute motions, and it's and worse, it's majority wins, but then then you have losers, but it's we're the body of Christ. You don't have winners and losers, and Paul says the most important member of the body is, is the weakest one who doesn't have much voice at all. So are there ways to reconfigure how we 
are together, how we conduct business. So I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, um, I'm teaching a course uh, coming up soon on leadership in the Old Testament, and I'm kind mm. of interested in that. Like, what are they, So it's not that there's seven easy tips from Old Testament people that will make you like a snazzy leader. But if you look at David or Jeremiah, I mean, here are leaders who are, are very much like people that I know. They, they have brilliance, and they just do dumb stuff, and their heart mm. gets broken, and their dreams are full. It's everything. And their families are part of the equation, and their families get upset with them, and they have dysfunction, and they're still out there trying to serve God. So I think it's fascinating stuff that could, I think, help us see our lives in the light of what God is about. Anyway, that's an odd thing I'm interested in. Well, yeah, hope you get an opportunity to write that here soon. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Uh, if, if there's anything church knows about its leaders is we are full of dysfunction and, and faults and whatnot, but we keep on doing it anyway, don't we? That's what kind of makes it cool. I mean, there's room for me. There's room for everybody and no perfect people. It's cool. No doubt. Well, let's take a little break. We're, we're going to come back and continue to ask some questions related to uh, being a nom- nominee for bishop. So um, here's a word from our United Methodist Foundation. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build a church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina on the show's website, umconnect.info. And they're just one of our regular show sponsors. And uh, thanks, David Snipes. Um, So we're back with James Howell and... Um, here's a question for you. Uh, what do you see as your greatest strengths for leading uh, the church in this next quadrennium if you happen to be elected? Oh, well, thanks for not asking, you know, uh, what are my weaknesses? Um, which well, is actually talk about that question. Too, you know. It's an interesting question. I have a friend who, uh, when, when all this came down, he, he was talking to me and he said, are you weak enough to be a bishop? Which I think is mm. quite an amazing question. Because I'm, I'm not somebody that has all the answers. I, I think I know my weaknesses, my vulnerabilities, all human weakness. And I think that's where God does, you know, some really amazing things you know, where we're broken. So since I think that's important, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, really energetic, you know, even at age 60, I don't sleep a lot at night, don't need much sleep. And I stay energetic all through the day. I, things I've talked about before in this interview, I have friends across the theological spectrum, and I'm good at holding those things together. I think that's important. Um, You know, I'm an encourager. I've I've dealt with a complex organization which has, you know, thorny personnel issues and budget complications, and I I think that's experience that would would help me. I've I've been friends with lots of clergy and have tried to mentor or at least walk alongside. Mentor's too strong, right? I'm the one who's blessed by it, younger clergy. Mm. Just hearing their thoughts and struggles, uh, I think I would bring that to it to try to encourage them, empower them, um, let them know that they're loved by the church. Yeah, Myers Park Church, we, we, 
we say things like, you know, we love you. We talk a lot about love. People love the church. It seemed like an annual conference could do that. I'd want a conference to do that. You know, can we love each other? Can we say we we love our brothers and sisters? We lo- hope they love the bishop, right? Mm. But, it's a, but it's a place of love. It, it's it's family-like. I know that's hard. It's unwieldy. It's big. But I don't know. I think it's important. I've been uh, – community engagement has always been – really important to me. Uh, the churches I've served have been engaged seriously in the community. It seems to me an annual conference ought to be able to do that. Like we find something, I don't know what, but something in our area. And that's a big thing for us. And somehow the area we're in is, gets better because we're there. And they know like, oh, like the, the Methodists do that. I don't know what that is. Probably depends on the area and the need and such. But it ought to be something like that. And I, I love trying to find those things and uh, explore. You know, you know what, you know what, what, what could happen. Hmm. Yeah. So, and you've touched on that so far in this interview. Uh, we do have a very diverse denomination. Every annual conference is going to be different. Every jurisdiction is different. Um, so, uh, are there any other gifts and skills that you can bring to this endeavor to uh, help lead a very diverse church in the future? I mean, I'm, hopefully we could, hopefully we can learn to embrace and celebrate our diversity. That sounds a little muddle-headed to some people, but I mean, I, I don't think it has to be. I think it's the kind of thing that we can learn to embrace and celebrate, and that can be a strength for us moving forward. We, um, you know, uh, Gregory the Great, I mean, you know, way back, Patristic area, early history of the church, wrote this book for pastors. And one of the things that he says mm-hmm. is that pastors need to be agile. So I, I, I love that. Can we be nimble? Can we be agile? We've been doing some things that are cool, but do, do you keep plodding away at them forever when they don't seem to be working so well anymore? Can they morph into something that's new and fresh and kin to what we've been doing? It's not some new mm-hmm. thing that's radically different. We're not abandoning traditional Christianity. That's who we are, and that's what we are. But can we find new ways of doing it? And I'm, I'm somebody who's always, you know, I try to, we tell our staff here, we say, let's begin with yes instead of with no. So can this mm. happen? So saying no, we, we, the default answer is, well, yes, maybe let's give that a try and celebrate things that we try, even if they don't work. At least we tried, you know. And um, so I'm, I think I've been a risk taker. Hopefully not too many foolish risks. I've done some dumb stuff, of course, but um, I'm somebody who's willing to take risk. Um, try new things, see what works, what doesn't, try to give people room to do that. But I don't know. Some of those things I think are going to be, I think it'll be important for the church to move forward. We're, we're not going to keep doing what we've been doing forever and be okay. We, we've got to embrace this kind of wonderful, scary, marvelous, frightening world and uh, be who God's calling us to be moving into the future. Yeah, no I don't doubt. know exactly yeah. what that's going to look like. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I think Gregory's words speak well in this century, no doubt about it, this whole nimbleness idea. Um, and what I do know is that you've spoken to a number of groups and delegations from the Southeast uh, over the last six months or so, and especially at General Conference. Uh, and so I know that I've heard you a couple of times at, in Portland, but um, what is something 
uh, that folks don't know about James Howell that they might need to know that you haven't gotten to speak about uh, in some of these uh, delegation meetings? Oh, that's just hard. Um, well, I mean, a hundred things. We all have personal stories, and um, you know, we get to know each other over time. And you know, from me, I mean, I'm from a family that um, had its struggles. My parents battled each other and wound up divorced, and there was a lot of heartache and pain in that. And mm. so, I've seen a lot of pain just from childhood on. So I'm not shocked by that. I understand everybody's not all squeaky clean, perfect. Um, so I have a sense of the brokenness of people. I've never shied away from that. Um, I, I've, I'm a, an, I use the word luck. It's, it's not the best word, but but I like it. I am very lucky. Like I got, I've, I've gotten to be a minister all these years. You know, I, I thought about medicine and law and all kinds of things, and I just feel so very lucky that I like. I've gotten to do this. I've gotten to be with people when they're dying. I've gotten to talk about God. I've gotten to hear people say, "I think God's asking me to do something." It's cool. I mean, I just feel so very fortunate, and you know, it's not like God's given me stuff God hasn't given other people. God, God's just so good. To all of us, but I'm somebody who just has a keen sense of uh, I, I'm just I'm just a lucky dog. I, goodness, that thing, life, God's there's just so much goodness out there. I'm I'm a grateful person. Um, anyway, okay. personal stories. I mean, that's where there's so many of them, right? Oh, no doubt about it. We all have them. Um, now, one story I've heard you tell, and, and I think it's uh, very interesting. Uh, you have unique children, and your daughter is uh, now United Methodist pastor up in Winston-Salem, and uh, she's doing something uh, very new and different at Centenary United Methodist. Maybe uh, tell folks a little bit about that if they haven't heard that story. Yeah, well, I have three very different children. You know, we had the first one, and then the second one came along. She was nothing like the first one. We thought the third one would be like one of those first two, but no, he's his own thing. It's amazing mm. to me. But Sarah, our oldest, is uh, she went. I guess you could say she went into the family business. She's a pastor in Winston Salem, and she's she's amazing. She is wise. She's uh, an incredible preacher. I just I steal her stuff all the time. I really do. It's amazing. And so she started this alternative community within Centenary, which is a very valuable, like Myers Park, you know, long-time traditional large church. Mm-hmm. It's a community called Roots of Revival. So it's an alternative worship service, and it uses secular music. It doesn't baptize the secular music, but it lets the secular music kind of name the human condition. And it's just a wonderful service that she's created and that she leads. It's a wonderful community that's just got it's got all kinds of people. It's got like lawyers who came from their law office downtown to the service. It's got homeless people. It's got just all manner of humanity are there. And there's just this warmth and this kind of glow about it. I mean, it's just I love going to her service and being with her people. And it's and to me that gives that that gives me hope. I I know her and I know a lot of her friends and the kinds of things that they either are doing or are burning to do that they want to do. And that gives me just so much hope for the church. I mean, there's so Mm. many gifted, sharp, wonderful young clergy coming along uh, that I, we have good cause to be optimistic. I mean, there's great leadership in this pipeline and I don't know, she and her friends, 
that's they get me excited about the future of the church. All right. Well, uh, we're coming down toward the end of the program, and uh, I'm just going to give you the final word. Uh, what do you want to say to those southeastern jurisdiction delegates that will be making decisions about uh, who our newest bishops will be? Um, what do you want to say to them today? Oh, you know, I just would want to say pray. I mean, pray if you pray for me and my family, that'd be great because we're, we're we're trying as best we can to be as I don't know, holy, faithful, whatever, through this process. And more importantly, I mean, pray for the church, pray for this process. We we really need to get this thing uh, right. <clears throat> the leadership that we'll elect, I mean, that's just really important. Um, and I, I'm confident we will do it well. If, if it falls to me to be one of our bishops, you know, I'll certainly give it my dead level best. And if not, I'll be so supportive of whoever we elect and we'll pray for them and do everything I can to encourage them and support them. Uh, it's an important time in the life of the church. So being as attentive as possible to, to God and not letting, you know, prearranged agendas kind of drive the thing, but really asking, you know, what, what's God calling us to? Who's God raising up as a leader in this? Something like that. Okay. Well, James, thanks uh, for being on the show today, and uh, we Thank hope you. this will get spread around all over the Southeast so that folks can uh, know a little bit more about you. Well, Michael, I'm grateful. Okay, and thanks, everyone, for listening to us on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, the show will be a podcast uh, there and on our show's website, umconnect.info, and it will also be on iTunes. So thanks again for listening. And we'll be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.